was just very clear my intuition or the mother or source or God, whatever you want to call it. It's never been about the medicine. Mm. It's about living the medicine. It's about being the medicine. It's about owning fully your what and why for being here. Hi there, I'm Kelly Tennant. Welcome to Ceremony Wellness, where we integrate modern healing and ancient wisdom. Learn from the most impactful voices in health, wellness, and spiritual development as we guide you through the latest healing remedies and alternatives to the traditional path. I'm here to support you as you break limiting patterns, embrace your wild, and let go of the noise. It's time for us to rise together. Wow. Just wow. I don't even know where to begin with today's guest. This is so different than anything I've ever done. And because of that, it honestly brings me so much joy to be able to share this episode with you. Today on the show, I have the incredible Matthew Simpson. He wrote Worth the Fight, and he works with the Heroic Hearts Project. And his book is Worth the Fight, Acting for a Better World, a Guide to Spirituality, Psychedelic Medicines, and Overcoming Trauma. Wow, where do I begin? So Matthew and I talked about so much in this conversation. We talked about healing experiences with psychedelics that helped him move past his addicted and depressed mind, childhood sexual trauma that he experienced that he says nearly killed him. The U.S. veteran suicide tragedy and epidemic, which is what got him into this work with psychedelics for healing purposes. He is so passionate about this and working with the Heroic Hearts Project, giving access to alternative medicine and plant medicine healing for veterans who have experienced PTSD and fighting at war, coming home and not having the answers and not getting the type of treatment that can really make a difference. And all of the money that he makes from his book all of it goes to charities that empower warriors to heal with alternative medicine. And he's working so hard to create this ceremony culture for warriors that are integrating back home from service time. And you guys know ceremony is so important to me, gathering community, coming together, breaking stigmas, fighting to let go of the shame and the fear and really seeing people for who they are and helping them grow and heal. This is what Matthew cares about. And I, I love this guy. I really, really do. I support everything he's doing. And as you'll hear in this conversation, he actually has done some work with Soltara where Connor and I have our retreat in March. Um, and he really believes in what Soltara is doing and the work and Dennis McKenna, um, who is on the Heroic Hearts Project board. I mean, there's just so much coming together in terms of plant medicine that Matthew is at the forefront of. And I am so grateful to be in his community now and to support everything he is doing. So 
head to Worth the Fight book on Instagram and you can go to worththefightbook.org to purchase his book. I can't recommend it enough. And just to be around him, to know him, to learn from him. He is an exceptional man. And like I mentioned, Connor and I do have our retreat coming up at Soltara in March of 2020. So if you guys want to join us for a week of plant medicine and growth and healing and connection with other people who are on this path with you and understand what you're going through and really want to cheerlead you on, we would absolutely love to have you. So the first step is to head to gettherealness.com slash realness dash retreat. Put your email in. You can get on the phone with me or Connor and we'll talk through the whole experience. We have 14 spots left. So make sure if this is something you're interested in, just get on the phone with us. We can chat through it and answer all of your questions. We cannot wait to see you in Costa Rica. All right, let's get to this episode with the incredible Matthew Simpson. So I love the idea of ceremony. You know that you've mm-hmm. listened to my show. Sure. I just had my event ceremony wellness live. It's all about people gathering together and supporting each other, providing a safe space to grow, to heal, to be curious, to ask questions, to feel seen and taken care of. And when you initially reached out to me, that was one of the first things you said. And I love that you are creating this idea of ceremony culture for warriors that are coming back from war and from service. And why is that such an important component for you? Um, yeah, this, this, uh, veteran healing soul mission is, has been something that is really, um, really grabbed me and, and, and pulled me in. Uh, originally I, I jumped into this work because I felt like I had a moral duty and obligation to stand with them and, um, to, to share. I mean, we have 22 veterans that die by their own hand every single day. That number is likely far greater. Um, that doesn't include the uh, masses that are stuck in self-abuse, uh, drugs, alcohol, uh, opiates, uh, doesn't include the homeless uh, population. And, um, and there was a number that really drew me in. It was that um, out of, a, and we're talking a large sample set, and this was back in 2017 when I jumped on board with Veterans for Entheogenic Therapy. We had upwards of 150 veterans that had been through the program. And 90% of the war veterans, it was the childhood sexual trauma that um, was at root. Uh, so they were, you know, they had PTSD post-war. And, um, and then, you know, it's, it's time and time again, it was, it, was the, it was the sexual trauma from the early years of childhood development that appears to be driving them to war. So um, I, I jumped on board with that. And, and now I'm, I'm, I'm doing this work. Um, because I believe that, that if we earnestly seek a peaceful planet, that healing the hearts and minds of our war veterans is an absolute must. What I've seen from them has just been astounding and, um, and, and they're a, a motivated group and they know discipline and they know leadership. And, um, you know, a lot of the, the issues that, that I know we're getting heavy, uh, to start out here. Um, but, but a lot of the issues that, that, um, that this, cause brings up are really charged. So, um, and I think that, that we need to address these things and, and we can't keep turning a blind eye, especially when they're dying in droves. Mm-hmm. Why did you feel so connected to, um, support veterans in this way and, and really give them a voice? Well, you know, I, I had a similar, similar story to you in terms of, uh, I was doing the, the corporate deal in Chicago. Um, I had a really profound 
experience with, with ayahuasca. And, um, you know, I, I figured a way out of my, the corporate grind and the rat race. And I took a year to untangle myself after my first ayahuasca ceremony. And then I traveled with a backpack for 18 months with the sole intention of finding, uh, how I can best be of service for the next, uh, second half or, um, the next 50 years of my life. And, uh, Month 17 of an 18-month travel journey. Uh, be careful what you ask for. It, it, <laughs> it came to me, and I read about this in my book, Worth the Fight. I was rolling around on the floor in Grass Valley at an Airbnb just trying to deny what I was feeling. And I was like, shit, man, this is this is your time. You know, it's time to step the fuck up. And, wow. Um, and, uh, you know, and then coming across this veteran work that, uh, you know, it was like, how am I a 30 seven 38 year old man and just finding out about this veteran suicide tragedy how is this cut off from the busy busy go-go working world and um and this has been my quest uh since since then so that's amazing i want to go back to something you said about the the sexual assault that a lot of these veterans have experienced that they experience as children and then that's what's leading them to war I never thought about making that correlation. I would love for you to explain a little bit more about that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this is something that is, is um, you know, Sebastian Younger writes about this in the book uh, Tribe. Um, the war veterans that fought in Iraq and Afghanistan are modern-day wars two times more likely to have experienced childhood sexual trauma in the early years of development than those that were uh, selected at random in Vietnam. So, um, I mean, and mind you, I said that they were those are two times more likely to report the sexual trauma. And for anybody that knows anything about sexual shame, this is a really challenging thing to talk about. Mm -hmm. People would rather just check out and die and kill themselves than to utter those words. Um, it's not on me. It wasn't my fault. It was really, uh, that, that energetic release of, of asking for help. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then, and then again, you know, the work that we see time and time again with the veterans is it's most often it's the, it's the early years of childhood development that, um, there was abuse in the home, not always sexual abuse, um, but broken homes. And it appears that, that, that the service time or war, um, or joining the military is a means for them to, to find tribe and find connection. And they, they seek that out because they can't find that often. They can't find that in their, their homes and with their intimate partners. So they go find it in war and they get it in war. War is tribal and primal and you're always with, with the, the, uh, the group and, the, and uh, your unit. Uh, but when they come back home, they don't have the resiliency skills often. They never had the support groups and we all know how important support is. Um, and and you know, they have these really traumatic memories and um, you know, they have medicines that don't really work. Mm -hmm. And they all have guns, and, and that is just a horrible recipe for our veteran suicide tragedy. Wow. So, so much of it is not even necessarily PTSD from war. What I'm hearing, it seems like, is that there, that's a component, but it's really triggering other things and bringing all this stuff that's been suppressed to the surface. Absolutely. 100%. Wow. Yeah. The PTSD uh, in, in you know, post-war is, is just a symptom of a, it's almost the, the needle that breaks the, the back or the, the straw that breaks the camel's back. Um, and, and it's, and it's what forces our, our veterans to, to, to finally get that help and finally address, um, that hurt that, that, um, has been pushing them or driving them, uh, since their early years. Mm. 
So did you experience those kinds of things in your own life that made that connection even stronger for you? Yeah, yeah, that absolutely. Yeah, there was, um, you know, I had, I had uh, and I read about this in my book, um, the childhood sexual trauma that I had. And, um, you know, it's, it's something that, that one of the central questions of, of my book is like, well, how at 35 years old, when I have a loving family, very good people and, and a loving tribe of people, friends and family, how is it at 35 that I could feel love for the first time with a psychedelic medicine? Mm-hmm. Uh, what the heck is up with that? And, um, and you know, I, I didn't serve in the military, but I had a different, my own kind of battle of, of uh, you know, climbing the corporate ladder, the, the soulless ladder in Chicago and, um, you know, really over identifying with external you know, material, money, um, status, all that, all that stuff that, that, um, that wasn't so important once I had that kind of that realization of um, that there is life without being directed or ran or driven by, by my trauma. It was a big, big energetic release and, and letting go of that hurt and uh, recontextualizing it and just looking at it differently. And, um, and that was a, that was a really profound thing that I, 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 or a shift that I attribute to the, to the medicine. Um, you know, when you sat in ceremony for the first time, was that the first time that you had acknowledged the sexual trauma? No, no. I had, um, about five or six years earlier, I had addressed it with my family Mm. and I had, uh, you know, kind of had an intervention of sorts of bringing everybody together. I was just kind of tired of the this, this like fake, we had this great upbringing. I was like, come on, God, you know? So I was just like, we just, I just wanted to be honest. And, and this is what happened. And this is why I couldn't speak about it until now. Cause it was just a, a great deal of shame. And, um, that shame eventually, uh, boils over. And, uh, as Hemingway says, the, the world breaks everyone. And, um, there's, there's a tipping point that it, it tipped and, and, um, you know, I think it was at 29, 30 years old where I was working with a therapist about, um, addressing this and, and just releasing that energetic, um, charge of, of holding this, um, by myself mm. and, and, uh, putting that on the shoulders of my family. And cause it was our family's burden to share. It wasn't just mine. And that, that was something that, uh, was really a profound experience. Was there, I love that you went to therapy. It's so amazing. Um, to be able to just talk to someone about it. Yeah. I think that's one of the hardest things is like we keep all these things inside and we feel like we have no one to talk to. So I think that's a huge first step. But was there a light bulb moment for you where you realized this wasn't my fault and I can talk about this and I don't have to carry the shame? Um, I'm trying to think. Um, I don't know. You know, there was. There was a light bulb moment and I was I was backed into a corner. Um, you know, I read about this in chapter two and I, I was a a shifty, deceptive liar and a cheat with my intimate relations. And, uh, and it really, it, it, you know, I backed myself into a corner where, um, I had no choice, but to just be upfront and with real and, and, and to finally address this. Cause I had the, the awareness that, that this hurt was, was driving my behavior. Mm. And, um, you know, I had a really challenging time connecting on a, on a deep level with, intimate partners and, uh, you know, yeah, I think, you know, we go into self-preservation mode and it's about survival. 
And so in that, we push people away and we keep this bubble around us so that they can't penetrate that so that we are safe. And so long, we don't realize we're even doing it. And it's just creating more distance and lack of connection, which is actually what the healing is. That's where it lies. But when you're in the middle of it, that's one of the hardest places to be. And so many people that listen to this show have gone through their own stories of sexual assault or being molested as a child or rape. And I think that's something that is so profound about what you're saying is making that connection of knowing that was affecting so much intimately for you and being able to take the step and voice that and talk to your family so that you could heal those wounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for seeing that. Yeah. And I think it's just permission to have a voice in those moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, when it comes to ayahuasca, I'm very passionate about this. Mm-hmm. Connor and I are hosting our retreat at Soltara in Costa Rica next March. Amazing with Dan Cleveland. No, uh, no, he's not a part of it. Okay. Um, he, I believe he's on the board. Okay. Um, we, ho- I, I, uh, worked the Soltara booth at the 2019 international ayahuasca conference Shut in, up. in Girona with, uh, yeah, with, I manned the booth with, uh, representing the heroic hearts project and Soltara, um, heroic hearts project has a relationship and they're sending a lot of war veterans to Soltara right now. Yes, Dan. So now that you say Dan, now I get it. Okay. So Dan owns Soltara. Yes. You were with Dan. That's who we're doing it with Connor and Dan are friends. Okay. Awesome. Yes. Awesome. Um, so funny. What a small world. Indeed, Connor indeed. will be so excited. Yes. Um, so we have our retreat there. Um, and so we're both very passionate about using it as a healing modality and providing a space where you can, the way I describe it is there's like all these pieces to the puzzle of your life. And sometimes you're not able to put them all together because there's things missing. And so things don't make sense. When you first sat with ayahuasca, did you have an experience where things started to come together and make more sense for you? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. The first, the first ceremony. Um, and again, I write about this in yeah. chapter five of my book. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, it was, it was a really challenging, um, uh, event, uh, or experience. It was awful. Um, you know, and, and just really, really pushed and test me on so many different levels. And, um, you know, the second experience was a, it was a really profound breakthrough. And, um, you know, I had a, had a, really powerful visionary experience where I could finally kind of break through the veil and, and see things as they were and, uh, to see, to have the safe space so I could see and, um, and go to places that, that I, that I couldn't that would be prior to emotionally charged, mm-hmm. um, and to see a way out of the mess that I created and, um, and to see a plan for, um, for getting out of that. And, um, yeah, that was a really, you know, something that, that I didn't, and I hadn't had that space. I'd had some, uh, some experiences with psilocybin prior mm-hmm. at uh, concerts, kind of in a social manner and, and rocking out with my friends yeah. and, <laughs> and, um, but this was, this was something completely different. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I, I felt like I really got in touch with my soul for the first time in my life mm-hmm. where, um, you know, again, I could see forward on, on what it means to be a human, what it means to live and, and why we were here. Mm. Why did you feel called to the medicine? Uh, like I'd said, uh, you know, I had some, I had some, some successful experiences with psilocybin and, um, you know, I started meditating. I've always done yoga since my early twenties and, and, um, things started accelerating in my life in in a really good way. 
and um, there was there was uh, I just sold it was it was my thirty fifth birthday I'd sold uh, a business that I'd had for many years so I finally had the freedom and um, two months later it was almost immediately like the night. October 16th, 2014, my 35th birthday when I sold my business, um, I was supposed to be out with, like with the guys like celebrating and eating huge steaks and drinking wine all night. And I, and I, I wasn't, I, I was, I was already on to this path. I was already on to how can I help other people that are struggling and stuck in the muck that I was in. Mm. And, um, two months later I was in uh, Costa Rica, um, drinking ayahuasca. I, I had a seven day period before I was going to be so thoroughly sucked into the corporate rat race with, um, the new company and money and accountability and responsibility. And, um, you know, I had a, I had a date, um, a serendipitous, you know, three events. And, and often people talk about that before their, their experiences that, that there was, there was three separate events. And one of them was, was, I was out with this, this, uh, woman, Jessica, who's just got back from Peru and she had, a profound experience with Wachuma. And, um, and I didn't, at that point, I was like, I didn't know there was anything stronger than shrooms. I was like, holy shit. I was like, I got immediately, I got back to the house and I was like, I have to research this. And I was like, Whoa, there's something. And, and, um, you know, I was, I was reading up on the science that, and the, the purported uh, facts about, uh, the war veterans were healing and people that were healing from depression and PTSD and addiction. And I just, you know, took a chance and said, Hey, this is the, seven days. I didn't really tell anybody. And I just said, fuck it. I'm going to go down and see what's up and see, see what's up with wow. this medicine. And, um, and sure enough, it was, it was a fruitful experience. Wow. That's amazing. It's so fun for me to hear everyone's like first experiences of why they're called to the medicine and then sitting with it. Not like I've done it a million times, but it's just so interesting because I feel like everyone is called in such different ways, yet we all end up needing the same things. And you were talking about like the first time you felt really connected to your soul. For me, I've felt like I have been so disconnected from my soul and my body and I couldn't decipher what was my intuition and what was my ego. And I let all the noise come in and I couldn't even hear myself. And sitting with the medicine allowed me to actually just hear myself and that I realized I could trust myself and know I already had all the answers within me and the medicine working with my body just brought all of it to the surface. And I think that's, that's so important. And I'm sure you see this too, is so many people are looking for someone else to heal them. And what the medicine has taught me is that I can heal myself. I am my own healer. Have you experienced that? 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Medicine clearly showed uh, what I needed to do, and uh, you know the, the the power and the value of a daily practice. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've been on the meditation cushion and and in the yoga of you know a studio for two to three hours a day since that first experience. Wow. It's just been something that is that's the key is 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 finding a way to um, reconnect with. It's not the medicine experience itself. It's, it's how are we reconnecting to it on a daily basis mm-hmm. and how are we living the medicine for other people? Mm-hmm. That's my viewpoint. Did you go in with specific intentions? Um, the first time? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I wanted a yeah, I, I wanted a, a way out of the mess that I was in. I was in a really deep mess and, um, and it was the way of life. The only way that I knew. Of, so there's, there's no other way to really know, outside of your current reality. 
but I wanted a more honest reality. I wanted a, um, you know, a, a life that, that was based around love and, and, and connection. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I kind of loosely, I guess, would, would, would say that, that, uh, and certainly as I became more accustomed to the medicine, mm-hmm. um, and, and the power of intention, not just with a ceremony, but just with life, like mm-hmm. with every single second of the day is, is to live intentionally. Um, but, but yeah, it's, it, intention's powerful. Yeah. The first time I sat, uh, I had no intentions other than I surrender. And so I was like, please just show me what I need to see. So it was definitely all over the map, um, which was amazing. That's exactly how it was supposed to be. And then the second time when I was at Soltara, I went in with clear intentions every night. Intentions are questions that I wanted answers to. And it was so wild to me the way the answers came, because at the end of each night I would ask five different questions and I thought they had nothing to do with one another. And then somehow they were all connected to the same core experience I had in a past life that made me believe these stories about myself. And I was like, how does this happen? It's so profound the way things are so interconnected and the things that we believe about our behavior or our beliefs or the way we live our lives, we think, oh, that has nothing to do with this. And this is different. Actually, it's all connected. And did have you had that experience where you realized things that you never realized would have an impact on you or actually the core reasons for why you do what you do? Wait, say that again. Does that make sense? It doesn't even make sense in my head. Let me reframe this. For me, I, f- I have found that there are things that have happened in this life or in past lives that dictate what I do now, decisions I make, the way I act that I never knew about or never thought had anything to do with who I am now. When in reality, those are actually the core reasons for why I am the way I am. Beautiful question. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. There was, um, I would attribute the 13 or 14 years that I spent in corporate America. There was a, a, a time after my, you know, f- first few healing experiences where I was very resentful of my past and was very, uh, bitter and Matt, you wasted all this time and, and, um, you know, you want nothing to do with sales. I was, you know, I ran it, ran companies and, and, um, but then realizing like, you know, I, I, years later I had a really profound moment of clarity. It was like, holy shit. And like, like those experiences have been training me to this moment. That's part of my training of, of, of being a messenger in terms of, of my work and being a writer and getting this work out and, and sharing, uh, my truth and, and sharing this work uh, with our war veterans and um, yeah, all that experience, it was all part of mm. every single experience um, was, was, was a part of this learning process of preparing me for this work, preparing me for, uh, and, and that includes the people that I've, I've crossed paths with because mm-hmm. I've, I've crossed some paths with some really, really <laughs> unique folks and, and, um, and, and have had some um, so, so often um, it, it's funny that, uh, my, my father gave me this as a, a gift one time, uh, that old movie, the odd couple. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's like, it's kind of been the story of my life is that I've, I've always had these very odd, um, relationships with, with people that, that in terms of different ages or older male, female didn't, doesn't matter. It's, it's, um, connections that, that have, have helped me grow. And, um, yeah, it's, and I, you know, there's, there's just so many that, yeah. that, um, you know, 
that's it's something that's kind of a funny funny deal to to, to think about that that aspect of of why is why is that the case and and um, you know I attribute that I think to just you know the, the trusting the 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 you know what's inside and and um, you know the growth that that comes from uh, diversity and, and different outlooks and different people and mm-hmm. and uh, you know even when I was stuck in self abuse I, I think from a friend level I never judged really other people mm-hmm. and um, so that and without that you you get or without judgment you're going to get a some, you know, oddballs in your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you are. <laughs> How do you show your younger self grace? Another great question. Uh, forgiveness. Yeah. Um, you know, just, uh, this is, this is something that, um, as a kind of motivated hard charger that I, I, is, is something I have to work on and be very conscious of is, is to, um, not push myself too much and, and, um, you know, um, yeah, you know, have, have compassion for, for the young Matt, um, my inner child or whatever you want to call it. Um, and, and, and I do, and I think that the medicine really helped me be at peace with, um, because I had, I had put so much pressure on myself. Um, another thing that, you know, Sebastian Younger writes about, he, he talks about the, how PTSD makes people, uh, there's a study of, you know, street kids in Burundi. I, it comes to mind that, that PTSD makes people more resilient, but it makes people resilient to a different definition of success. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I was extremely resilient to uh, making money and it was money and sex. That was, that was all, all that I thought about for, I was good, true capitalist, a good old American boy, you know? And, uh, and, and, but that, the way that I went about it was never going to satiate my, my heart's longing mm-hmm. and, uh, my soul's longing. And, um, I can't see you you describe yourself like that. I'm like, I can't see you like that. You're so like calm and you have this beautiful energy about you and you're, you you know, a little soft spoken. Is that how you were then? And it's just magnified now, or is it very different? I think I've always been kind of this, this demeanor, soft spoken. Um, yeah, yeah. It was never, never really over the top. Um, obnoxious. I mean, I was a boozer and drinker. And I guess I would get obnoxious at times, but, <laughs> but I think all in all it was, it was mostly, I've, I've mostly been a, you know, this chill. Demeanor. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I have this, um, this way of describing this old version of myself in the new version. And I feel like when I get into these chaotic spaces where I feel like I'm being pulled half my body, my left arm's being pulled this way and my right arm's being pulled this way. And it's like this old me and this new me and who am I and how do I define this and how, what is my identity? And I kept wanting to separate the two and fully leave this old version of me behind and become this new version. And some of the best advice I've gotten from a few people recently is that you don't leave the old version behind or cut her off. You actually bring her with you and show her how far she's taken you and thank her for protecting you and that we don't need to protect that anymore. But now we get to have fun and play in this free space that we've created together. That's beautiful. Oh, right. Because it's almost like by cutting her off, I'm punishing who I was for so long. 
and mad about it and angry when in reality it was my own coping mechanisms, my own safety measures, my own way of protecting myself and doing the very best I could with what I had. It doesn't mean that I have to punish that. It just means that I know more now and I've expanded. So I get to bring that part of me with me and allow it to expand and flourish. Do you, how do you manage this, the old identity of who you probably identified with in this version of you and who you've become over the last few years? That really, really resonates. Um, Cause I'd heard you on, a, on an earlier podcast talk about like the death of the, the old Kelly mm -hmm. and um, the way that you worded that was, was, was really profound. What you just talked about a moment ago. And um, I think, you know, I, I look at who I am now and who I was before. And I think, you know, for the most part, I'm exactly who I was before with an exception of the self abuse. And, um, you know, and well, obviously I'm doing, you know, I'm, 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 I have a calling and I, and I have this work and I know exactly why I'm here. My, my why is very clear. And, uh, but who I am is essentially the, the same. And, um, but now I, I, I live, you know, a path of integrity and, 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 and challenge myself to, um, be honest and vulnerable and authentic. And, th and that's my practice now is, you know, and, and it was originally it was it was the the lack of connection that I think drove me to the medicine, um, and, and now this authentic connection is is really that's the game I'm playing now, mm -hmm. and it's really challenging this this vulnerability, uh, being being upfront and honest, and uh, but it's it's super rewarding, but when I look uh, kind of in a, at an objective way of looking at my life, kind of high level, not much has changed, mm -hmm. you know, um, in terms of. Uh, who I am and, uh, you know, how I look, well, how I look at the world's changed immensely, but, but I think yeah. the essence has stayed the same. Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. You know, I think it's cool to have you here talking about this as well, because, um, I have a majority of female guests on the show and Connor and I talk about ayahuasca and psilocybin quite a bit, but to have a man come on that, um, has experience with this, I would love your perspective because I get very woo and I'm like I went to my soul home and then my past life and the whole thing. And so I think sometimes I miss people or it's a little much. And I, I like the way you describe things. So if you were to describe what working with ayahuasca is like and how you connect with it, how would you do that? You know, it's, it's a powerful medicine that, and, and I've kind of subscribed to, and I think that this was after the fact, but I'd read in, you know, Tim Ferriss's work that, that he would recommend every three to six months going in for two ceremonies. I think he said that in, um, the, he was laying out his itinerary of, of mm -hmm. what has worked for him. Um, and, and for me, the, the first years were really, were really heavy. And, uh, these, the idea of having a, a weekend, a ceremony with two two ayahuasca ceremonies in a sweat lodge, and then having six months to integrate that was was kind of my my process, and um, because the integration is uh, something that that is it can get lost on this work mm -hmm. because it's it's 
the really, it's the hard part mm-hmm. and, um, and, and the day-to-day work of bringing this experience into your life and, and, um, you know, living a, a life around love and around these insights and around truth and, and uh, living a life intentionally can be really challenging. And it's, it's often easier to just go back and continue to go back to the medicine. And, um, but then you're not, we're not growing. We're not, um, our soul's not growing. So, um, you know, for me, it's, uh, that, that's been my experience. And, um, and I had a really profound experience that, um, you know, was, was the summer of 2018 and I was writing my book and it was six months after my last ayahuasca experience. And I was, thinking, or it was three or four months or something like that. And, and I was thinking, when is my next experience? And, um, you know, it was just very clear my intuition or the mother or source or God, whatever you want to call it. Um, that, that, that it's never been about the medicine. Mm. It's about living the medicine. It's about being the medicine. It's about owning fully your what and why for being here on this physical plane. And, um, you know, I, I take a, maybe a contrarian view, um, you know, with the idea of Jason Silva talks about this and I really like the way he, he, he phrases this of inverse PTSD. Uh, we have these profound experiences of healing and, um, just like the traumatic memories that we're healing from our, our, in our nervous system, these, these experiences of light and love and, and, um, you know, these experiences of seeing our highest self, they are in our nervous system just the same. Mm. And it's, it's, I believe it's our job to, to, to live lives where we're, we're extracting that and we're integrating those insights. Um, and, and it's always there and it's always there. And it's something that, that we can connect to, uh, through, through meditation, yoga, dance, prayer, fasting, fasting has been absolutely huge for me. Uh, cacao, I read a lot about cacao and, and that, uh, sacred ceremonial cacao and uh, the raw organic cacao has meant so, so much to me from, you know, being a, a, a man that has had a tough time expressing his feelings. And it's just, you know, I have a cup of that and it's like, my heart is blasted oh. open and, um, and, and I get sappy and, you know, I feel this, this spirit of romance and, and love and, um, you know, I get a little talkative sometimes and I maybe send too many, me- I don't know, but it's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's all playful. And, and, uh, and that's something that I've, I've had to work at. Um, that's really cool. I've never done a cacao ceremony. I've heard amazing things about it. I need to add it to my list. It's really special. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When you talk about ayahuasca and psilocybin, how different are those experiences for you? Um, yeah, the, the psilocybin, uh, was a, you know, the ayahuasca was a, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it can be a brutal experience. As you know, it can be a really, really tough. Um, I mean, hands in the dirt, just getting broken down and beaten down to a pulp, um, you know, where psilocybin, the, 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 the plant spirit or the, or whatever, um, you know, that intelligence is imparted from that is a lot more gentle and playful and, uh, forgiving and, uh, less harsh. And, um, you know, I've experienced that, that it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's not as harsh. Mm-hmm. That's, that's been my, my take. Um, you know, the, after my first ayahuasca experience, it was very clear to me that it was, it was the daily meditation and the daily yoga that was needed, but also the, the value of, of having and using, um, 
psilocybin as a tool to heal. Mm. You know, I, I was really inspired by, uh, Amber Lyons. Um, oh, yeah. she had, she had talked about, uh, that and, and, and how that helped her with her depression. And, um, you know, so, you know, I went within, I think I had six to eight therapeutic sessions. I was in a safe space, turned my phone on airplane mode, turned the ayahuasca music on and approach it like a ceremony. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that was really a, a, a powerful time. You know, I was trusting the, the, um, the scientific research that, that had been going on at, at prestigious universities and, um, and, and to know that, that, you know, this was something that I, I just had to do. Um, and, and it was again, you know, leaning heavily against my, my survival impulse. And this was something that, uh, it's, I'm so grateful to see the changes that are happening in our drug laws right now and, and some of the shifts that are happening with Denver and Oakland. Um, I just had Ryan Munevar who is spearheading the, uh, decrim California psilocybin cool. uh, on, on, on my podcast, the yes. worth the fight podcast. And, um, you know, it's, it's a really exciting time. There's a big campaign in, in Oregon and California to decriminalize this, this medicine. Um, so people that are stuck in, in addiction and PTSD and depression can come forth and heal. Uh, I already think that that Denver and Oakland ruling just sends massive, massive ripples, um, to, to all four corners of our planet that says, Hey, there's a big city in the U S two big cities that, that don't, don't regard this as a, as a drug and, and and it's a medicine. And, um, and, and that sends, and I think that, that those rulings will shift and alter the experiences that people will be having the new people. I always say that it's, it's, it's not about us. It's not about Kelly. It's not about Matt. It's not about people that are on this path. It's about people that are coming onto this path. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, Lord knows we have enough creative challenges in front of us as a people. And, um, these tools are, 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 powerful creative agents that, that can, you know, open up minds and, and, um, you know, unleash these abundant solutions that we, we need mm-hmm. as a people. Yeah. That's part of why we're moving to Denver, to be honest. Um, when that happened, Connor and I kind of looked at each other and we're like, we got to go. Because there is a sense of being able to create spaces where that's possible and for people to have access to it where they're not afraid um, to be using it as a healing modality. And I understand so many people, you know, take mushrooms, go to concerts and there's a there's a place for that. I'm totally fine with that. But in the intention of healing and having access, that's the biggest thing, because like you mentioned, there are so many studies now coming out about the effects of plant medicine and what it can do for you, even things like MDMA and how that can help people coming out of really rough situations. Just being able to have access to it, I think is, you know, you're breaking down this barrier to entry that's been there for so long. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's, and it's, it's imperative. I mean, people are, we're in the midst of a mental health crisis, especially with our war veterans. And, um, you know, that we, we, you know, there's an opioid crisis, 193 people die to the opioid crisis every single day. And there's a lot of, um, you know, people that are really questioning the, the, the role that big pharma has in that. And, uh, you know, if, if these medicines work and people are getting better and they're healing, um, then, then what's the problem with that? that's the problem, right? So I think, and that's the argument that everyone has is big pharma doesn't want you to heal. So they don't want it a widely available to be healing and to cure things because then that means that there's no role for you to take all of their medications. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, 
you know, that, that is uh, a bullshit incorporated limiting belief program that as a society, we're going to have to take an honest look at. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's one of the, one of the, you know, I read about this again in Worth the Fight is like, I'm going to go out and say it. It's like the problem with these medicines is they work and no one makes money. And, um, but hopefully, you know, you know, uh, the, the, the work that, that Rick Doblin and maps is doing is, mm-hmm. is really, uh, you know, the fact that he's been pushing at this since the, the mid eighties and, uh, you know, MDMA assisted therapy is in phase three clinical trials with our federal government. And it's likely to be a legal medicine for PTSD in the next year or two. Um, and, and this is huge because, you know, this, uh, he's working within the system and, and shifting the model of, um, you know, the, the pill a day model that we've been, um, marketed to, uh, crazy, crazy stat that I came across earlier this year that was, was wild is that, uh, there was a Georgetown uh, professor that, that, uh, one of those little blurbs that you, you see or memes, um, or no, it was from a thrive, uh, article on, mm. on the thrive that big pharma for every $20 they spend 19 of it is on marketing and $1 on the R and D. So, so they market the diseases, um, years out before. So I always joke about how, um, I have disease X and, and, uh, disease X is a uh, characteristic by, um, bright eyes, a big smile, uh, compassion, uh, a, you know, a, a, um, predisposition for altruism, for helping people out, uh, <laughs> eating healthy, exercising. And, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of scary when we, when we really look at that, at, yeah. um, where we're at right now with, uh, the, the pharmaceuticals and with people dying in masses and, um, and our veterans and, and what kind of people are we, if we're going to allow our war veterans to, um, uh, to, to die, uh, needlessly when there's these medicines that are available that work. And that's why I'm so excited about the heroic hearts project. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they're sending uh, war veterans with it, have treatment resistant PTSD that have been through the VA's program to Salterra, uh, and to other retreats in Costa Rica and Peru um, what we're seeing with our veterans is really, is really astounding the healing that they're doing. So that's where I wanted to go next is I'm sure you have a plan in place. So what happens? Someone comes back from war and then what is the plan for supporting them in alternative medicine and plant medicine? The plan is, um, you know, they, they reach out to the Rogue Hearts project and, um, again, they've been through the VA's program for a minimum of six months. So they've tried all of the standard therapies. We're only working with the people that uh, are the, the most challenging cases in terms of um, PTSD diagnoses. And uh, they have you know, an, uh, some integration calls beforehand um, to, to make sure that they're in the know with what to expect. And they have some post calls. And, uh, and largely we're seeing a, a, a very proficient group of people that are able to have to go in for these weekend ceremonies and just get busted open. And, um, you know, they're doing it often with other veterans. So there's that sense of, of, uh, tribe and mission still that, that they had in in war. So they have, you know, battle buddies when they're, and as you, you know, from somebody who's, who's been, um, on this path is the value of, of, of having these relationships and being able to reach out to people and to say, Hey, you know, I'm struggling now. And, um, you know, to, to, to share openly and honestly, and to have those connections that, that, uh, are a way to connect us to this healing experience. How difficult do you find it getting them to even admit 
that they need this type of help or even know what it is. That's, that's a big challenge. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, it's my hope and prayer that, that, that my work uh, and these conversations were shifting the narrative and, um, that, and, and the, the science that's coming out, um, every article, every book, you know, every conversation is slowly shifting this narrative to make our war veterans, uh, feel more safe coming on this path. And that's a big problem right now that we, that we do have with the, the suicide tragedy is an inability for them to be open and honest and real about hurting. And, um, you know, those, I know from my personal experience, asking for help, those were the, those were the three of the most challenging words that I've ever said in my life. It's like, I need, I need help. You know, I, I need, I need it. And, um, from somebody who's, who's always been a hard charger, go, 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 uh, to be vulnerable and, and, and to ask for help. Um, you know, I felt that ayahuasca opened that up for me and, and, um, you know, that what comes to mind for me is, is, uh, sex at dawn and, and Chris Ryan, he writes, writes about, um, the, our equal predisposition to the aggressive, uh, type a patriarchal, uh, chimpanzee and but we we're not we share ninety eight percent of the same DNA with them, but we also share ninety eight percent of the DNA with the uh, matriarchal, free loving bonobo, and uh, the that that lives in uh, a co- cooperative, uh, collaborative uh, tribes in, in I believe in Congo. They're they're far less studied than the than the aggressive chimpanzee, but but that that notion of being vulnerable and um, and. Uh, leaning on our, on our tribe and, 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 uh, being open and honest and real. And, and, uh, we can't get help from others if we can't admit that we're hurting. For people that are listening and maybe they have a family member or are themselves, um, a veteran or maybe someone in service right now, how can they best have these conversations and what are some things that they can look out for to know I need to be aware of where this person is and what they're dealing with emotionally and suppressing. I think that there's enough. Um, when when someone's open and honest and real, there's a, there's enough programs to help people out with, and and um, you know I would recommend to people, uh, or I do, when someone uh, you know, expresses interest, and I, and I never push this on anybody, and and. Um, you know, that, that idea of uh, there's, there's just so many different ways to heal and, and find peace. And this is just one that is, uh, it's worked for me because I needed an, an, an aggressive intervention. Um, but, but when it comes to our, our war veterans or people that are in a similar spot, I would have them read the book, Stealing Fire, uh, you know, written by Jamie Wheel and Stephen Kotler and, um, Michael Pollan's book was a, was a pure masterpiece. And, uh, and, and the way that both of those books, um, give people um, all of the necessary and pertinent data points that one would need if, if uh, considering engaging this path and, and to see if this medicine path is right for them. Mm-hmm. Um, because it, it is a, it's a huge decision and it's a huge commitment and it's a lifelong, you're, you're in many respects, you're shifting from the, the, the fixed path thinking to growth path. And, and this climb, and once you're on the growth path, it never stops. It's like you're, we're, we're continually on the climb. And, um, 
So that's what I would recommend to, to people that are earnestly uh, looking to heal, uh, people that are struggling. And, uh, but I would say that, that you had to reach out, reach out to your friends and lean on your loved ones. And uh, when you're, when you're hurting and if you're in a, a tough spot, um, you know, I, th- I think that uh, from, from personal experience, um, you know, I, I, I've been so, even now when it's, it's still challenging sometimes to be open and honest and vulnerable. And, but I'm, I'm, I'm always, um, I always get that real spirit in return and it's just always, it's, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's always the case. Mm-hmm. So we, 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 we make up all these stories about what people will think and whatnot. And, and, uh, when we're real with other people, they're real with us and, and that's bonding. And that's, um, you know, I think a really important aspect of the, the, the human condition. Mm. One of the questions that I get so often is what am I going to see? And is it going to be scary? And I think that you even take plant medicine out of the conversation just in life. We're so scared to see the thing that is full of truth because what does that mean? It's like this unknown. If I don't see the truth or the core wound or the childhood trauma that I've blacked out, I'm safe. But if I bring that to the surface and I see it and I have to deal with it, what does that mean and what happens after? Maybe for you and for people that are going through this work, how do we navigate that experience and be okay with the unknown? Yeah, the the truth and and hiding from our truth that's that's not a sustainable strategy, and and uh, eventually that will 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 bubble up, and I always recommend kind of that being direct and just and and really ayahuasca is that it's a it, you're diving right in that thing that we all hide from or that thing that that we don't want to address is basically rubbed in your face and and um, but but in a safe place where you can, um, you know, cry the tears and feel the feels and, and, um, and to let go of those emotions that with it, that we're holding in our nervous system. And, um, yeah, it's just, I, I think that that approach of being, being very direct and just for me, they, the, the whole, and this is, and, and this is something that we're seeing with our war veterans, the whole, just, just dive right in. You know, if you know that there's something that needs to be addressed, um, you know, dive in. It's, you know, Jason Silva says, you know, jump and, and it's, uh, you know, you're going to be greeted with a feather bed. And, and it's <laughs> like, we put so much fear and so much, um, you know, anticipation and, 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 but those fears end up, you know, running our lives in a lot of respect. And, um, yeah, I don't know if I answered the question. No, I went a little amazing. brown about, no, that's beautiful. Um, the last thing I'm, I'm just curious about is for veterans that have gone through plant medicine journeys and experiences, what they're saying afterwards. They are, and, and this is one of the reasons why I'm so um, excited about this, uh, th- th- this work. And um, like I said, originally uh, I, I came onto this path and this, and I embarked on this mission because I thought I had a moral duty and obligation, but now it's, it's, if we earnestly seek a peaceful planet, healing the hearts and minds of our war veterans is an absolute must. They can teach us everything that we're ignoring as a people. All the lessons are bundled up in this one subgroup of people. 
and and um, some very provocative questions that we've talked about. Uh, big pharma's role in in our mental health, uh, the mental health struggles, uh, the church. You know, if if um, the research is seemingly showing that that it's this this unchecked child sex church abuse that is is driving war, and um, and and then ultimately the whole notion of like what the heck are we still doing at war? It's 2019. Mm-hmm. Let's get our shit together as a people. And let's figure this this thing out and find a way to live as a collective global family. And um, but what we're seeing is is with our war veterans that are healing is 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 really profound. Again, they have leadership training. They know discipline. Uh, often they um, are, are are digging into their own projects or however which way um, you know they're grabbing a shovel and finding a way to help and contribute. And uh, they're not afraid to raise their hand and to speak the truth. About uh, their experiences, and um, and I think that that's what we need. We need people to raise their hands right now and um, and and to share their truth and 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 to be open and to be honest and be and to be vulnerable about their struggles. And that's um, that's what we've seen with with them. And um, you know, as as civilians here, you know, when when our war veterans raise their hands, we shut up and listen. We just do. They have lessons that we we can't even fathom. And, and um, you know, they've, they deserve that. And they deserve medicines that work. That's so beautiful. Thank you so Thank you. much for doing this work and for sharing this. I, I would like to think that I know what's going on, but so much of what you said today was just jaw dropping for me. And I think for so many people listening to this episode, probably the same in not understanding how much or how many epidemics are just within veterans and what's going on and that there are so many clear answers of support that we can offer um, and bringing together psychedelics and using that to support them in that journey. So thank you so, so much. Yeah. Well, thank you for doing this incredible work and it's, it's bold and it's brave and <laughs> um, it's really inspiring. And I, and I just really value the spirit that you're putting out into the world and, um, and that's really exciting and it's great to connect with you here. Thank you too, Matt.